Today we begin the holy season of Advent. Now in this modern world, the weeks from Thanksgiving to Christmas are a time of extreme materialism and busyness and anxiety. We have the shopping and the crowds, spending money, oftentimes money we don't really have, and all of the stress. This is the exact opposite of what Advent was intended to be. The church has celebrated Advent in a similar form to today since the fifth century. But even before that, you can find that the church in Spain and in France and other places set aside many weeks leading up to Christmas in which they prayed, they did penance, and they fasted in order to properly dispose their hearts and their souls for Christ, for the coming of the Messiah. So Advent has always been a beautiful time of prayer and penance and sanctification for us Christians. St. Jose Maria Escrivá, the founder of Opus Dei, he said so beautifully, and I quote, On this first Sunday of Advent, when we begin to count the days separating us from the birth of the Savior, have we considered the reality of our Christian vocation, how our Lord has entrusted us with the mission of attracting souls to sanctity, encouraging them to get close to Him, to feel united to the Church, to extend the Kingdom of God to all hearts, Jesus wants to see us dedicated, faithful, responsive. He wants us to love him. It is his desire that we be holy, very much his own." So in those words, Saint Jose Maria got to the essence of Advent. Advent is a time to grow in love and to grow in holiness. And that twofold purpose, if you will, is seen very clearly in today's second reading in which St. Paul is writing to the early church in Thessalonica. St. Paul said, Brothers and sisters, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, to be holy and blameless before our God and Father and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his holy ones. So the church gave us that reading in particular in this first Sunday of Advent to remind us the purpose of Advent which is to pray, to grow in love and holiness. So how do we do that? How do we grow in love and holiness? Well, let's start with love, because without love there is no holiness. There cannot be holiness without love. And remind ourselves that love is not an emotion, that God is love, and therefore love is objective. Jesus himself said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He said, whoever loves me will keep my word. So to grow in love is nothing more than to follow Jesus Christ, to keep his commandments, to keep his word. And in doing so, in following him, our capacity to love as individuals increases because we become more like him who is love. Now, when we were baptized, God took up residence in our souls for the first time. Original sin, original sin, which is a lack of God in the human soul, is done away with. Most people don't understand what original sin is. Original sin is a lack. In other words, once Adam and Eve sinned, they lost the divine presence of God in their souls. And so when they had children, they couldn't possibly give to their children what they no longer had. Original sin is a lack of God in the soul. But at baptism, God literally comes to dwell, to fill that void 
and to dwell once again in the human heart and in the human soul. For the first time ever, the human being has love. Our baptism gives us love. But that love can then decrease or increase as we live our lives. We know that sin always shrinks the ability for us to love. It shrinks the supernatural love within us, and it restricts the room in our soul that we have for love to dwell. Or if sin is serious, if it's mortal sin and unconfessed, we actually push God out of our soul altogether, rendering us to that pre-baptismal state. Sin, in in essence, fills our souls with, with the worldly things, things like anger and lust and jealousy, bitterness, false gods, greed, pride, whatever else it might be. In all of these things, they decrease the capacity within us to love, to have God. But for the person who sweeps his or her soul clean, both of sin and also worldly attachments, and who also desires God to dwell deeply and fully in our soul, that person can experience the heights of supernatural love. And since God is infinite, there's always possibility for us finite creatures to love more. In other words, there's no limit to the amount we can love on this earth. When you look at the great saints, they oftentimes are so filled with this intense love that they liken it to a spiritual marriage. This state in which they feel they are completely one with God. So much so that their hearts, they say, it almost feels like they're going to burst because they're so full of love. St. Teresa of Avila, a great Carmelite saint, she experienced that sort of love, that divine union with God. But she also is such a practical woman, and she reminds all of us that all of the baptized faithful are called to this kind of love, this union with God. But the question becomes, well, how do we experience that union for ourselves? How do we experience that love for ourselves? How does it come about? And it's, it can only come about through the sacraments and through prayer and through penance, through self-denial. So the sacraments, that's what gives us divine love in the first place. Baptism gives us divine love. The sacraments, without the sacraments, a soul cannot possibly love as God intended us to love. So you look at confession. After we're baptized, our souls have sin in them, or maybe we push God out altogether through mortal sin. Confession clears the impediments so that we can love again. It gets rid of the junk sort of in the soul, in the closet of our soul, if you will, so that God can once again take up residence. But the Eucharist, how many Catholics know that the Eucharist actually increases supernatural love within the soul? if we receive with desire and if we receive the Eucharist with reverence, recognizing that the God of the universe is about to become united with me now. The Eucharist is love, pure and simple. The Eucharist is God, God is love, therefore the Eucharist is love. If we understand that, and we actually desire Jesus, we actually yearn for him when we're coming up that communion line, that he will satisfy that yearning 
by increasing the supernatural love in our hearts and increasing the capacity of love in our souls. But if we come to Mass and we just walk down that aisle and we stick out our hands or even our tongue and we make no attempt to realize who it is we are about to become united with, we don't desire God. We don't desire an increase of love. We walk out of this church no different than when we entered. Nothing happens. God wants us to desire Him like He desires us. And then once we leave that ma the Mass, what kind of continues this momentum is prayer. Prayer continues to expand the capacity within our souls to love more. It stretches our souls so that we can receive more from God the next time. It increases our desire for God so that he can fulfill those desires. And remember, God is infinite, we are finite. So any desire we have for God, he can fulfill. Prayer is that means of expanding the capacity for God within our soul. But then penance. Modern man has completely lost any notion of penance. We live so comfortably, so richly, and without any sort of discomfort, almost always. Penance is needed for holiness. Advent is a penitential season, meaning we should be doing some penance. Penance teaches us to love God more than the things of the world. Penance shows God with our actions that we actually desire Him more than the material world. That's why, by the way, fasting is so necessary for holiness. Fasting and self-denial in general teaches us to, devout, to value divine things more than material things. So do we love God more than food? Do we love God more than YouTube or surfing the internet? Do we love God more than our portfolios and our money? Most don't. I heard a yes, and that was a good yes. But most don't. Or most say that they do with their words, but they actually spend more time each week eating, watching TV or the internet, and looking at their portfolios. It's really the equivalent of a father saying to his daughter with his words, I love you, but he never spends any time with her. His actions simply don't support his words. If you and I claim to love God more than anything and anyone, we've got to prove it with our actions. We need to be willing to deny ourselves some of the worldly comforts that we have and to spend more time with the God of the universe. Time is a requirement for authentic love. And so Advent is this great time that the church gives us, four weeks, so short. But this intentional time to come back to the sacraments, to be more intentional with our prayer, and to deny our passions through a little bit of penance so that we can grow in love and holiness. That's what St. That's what Teresa of Avila did. That's what St. Paul did. That's what all of the great saints have done. And this works. Now, 
I know that I am the weakest one in this church. So for Advent to be successful, for us to, to grow in our love for the sacraments, for prayer and for penance, we need to have some concrete goals and we need to have somebody that holds us accountable. So I'm gonna tell you, I normally don't do this, but I'm gonna tell you what I'm doing for Advent. And the hope is that maybe some other people who are like, yeah, he's pretty weak, I can definitely do this, will join with me in union. And this is what church is supposed to be. It's not a lording over, it's supposed to be the pastor and the people working together for holiness. So here's what I'm doing, what I'm gonna to try to do. So first of all, before I go to bed every night, I'm gonna take intentional time to really examine my conscience. So that when I go to my weekly confession, I'm not just going through the motions, but I've spent time throughout the week really examining my day and confessing my actual faults and what I need to change. God won't heal us if we don't bring it to him. Do we take much time to examine our conscience? So that's what I'm gonna do every night. I'm committing to our Lord to spend an extra 30 minutes in prayer every day. Not just to do it, but to beg God in that extra 30 minutes to help increase the capacity in my heart and in my soul to love Him. I have promised that during Advent I will not surf the internet or go on social media, except for what I need for my, for my work. And I'm going to allow myself to have 10 minutes a day to check things that I want to check. And then I'm gonna use that time to do more spiritual reading, specifically reading the lives of the saints. So right now I'm reading St. Teresa of Avila. And there's nothing better than to read the saints to see how they love God so much to inspire us then to love him like they did. During Advent, I am gonna give up snacks and not eat in between meals and have moderation within the meals that I do eat. To remind myself that nothing is more satisfying than God. That God is more important than the material things of this world. And fasting also, by the way, teaches us to say no to our passions. Just because we feel we want to do something doesn't mean that it's good for us or that we should do it. So fasting gives us control over our passions. And it teaches us to say no to other things which is needed for holiness to avoid sin in general. And then during Advent, Although once in my life I love this, I no longer do, I will commit to daily exercise, even when I don't want to, which is every day. And that's a form of self-denial. But here's the other thing. It's also important, if we're going to be men and women who pray, we need to be healthy in our body. Because when, when we just sit and eat junk food all day and sit on our, with not doing anything, we don't want to move. And we don't get motivated to get up and to go pray. Our physical life affects our spiritual life. And so when we actually take care of our body, when we eat well and when we exercise, we pray better. In other words, it helps us to grow in love better. And so I will commit to that daily exercise. Now, I know, as I said, I'm weak. So what I'm going to do is, well, I've already done it. I've made a spreadsheet. And I put all of my goals on there. And each day I will go through, did I do this or not? And then I will share that spreadsheet with Monsignor Farmer, who is my spiritual director. And then he can hold me accountable as well. And what I fail in, I will then confess that. Now, I'm not planning to fail. But if I do, I will confess that. We have to go in with 
we can't go in with a spirit of defeat. We need to go in with a spirit that we're going to do this because we want to grow in love. So I encourage you all, do what's good for you, but do something. We've lost the sense that Advent is a time to prepare and to do penance so that we come here on Christmas with a greater capacity to love and to grow in union with Him. Do not let this Advent be a time of materialism and anxiety and worldliness. Let these next four weeks motivate us to grow in love and holiness so that we are prepared for the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And remember this, holiness is not for the spiritual elite, whatever that is. It's for every single one of us, the baptized. Every single one of us has the capacity in our souls for greatness. Every single one of us is called to divine union, to love with God. Every single one of us is called to be a saint. And that's what Advent is supposed to be about.